I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with John Kasman. John is a real estate entrepreneur who has partnered in over, uh, with busy professionals to invest in over $100 million worth of apartments. He also consults with active multifamily investors to help them start or grow their business. Uh, John has his own podcast as well and is the co-creator of Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. John, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. Hey, Jason, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on the Know Your Why podcast today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, maybe we can just get started by having you tell everybody a little bit about your background, you know, kind of where you came from and, and, and now where that's where you ended up at this point. Absolutely. My background is in corporate marketing. So I did uh, 15 years in advertising and marketing for some big brands, companies you're aware of, uh, General Motors, Nike, Coors Light, Mountain Dew. And I did everything from television campaigns to radio spots to something called a cooler door decal, which if you've ever been to uh, you know, a gas station or a convenience store, and you go to where they keep the cool drinks, you know, the uh, the beer, the, you know, Mountain Dew, uh, you know, the the Starbucks, um, uh, what's the five hour energy, whatever, not the five hour, but yeah. the uh, the energy drinks, you know, they sometimes have little stickers on those doors. We design those and all sorts of stuff. And this short version of the story is um, I worked at General Motors back in the, you know, 2007 to 2011. And around 2008, we started to experience some financial issues and we had a massive round of layoffs and it felt like a never ending round of layoffs. And it really forced me to realize that, you know, being in corporate America may not be the best way to secure my future long-term. And it got me interested in real estate investing, uh, ended up starting with the duplex a few years later, and ultimately grew that into a portfolio that allowed me to partner with other professionals to invest in real estate as well. Awesome. Awesome. And so you're I'm sure and maybe we'll get into this more, but I'm sure your your background in marketing has helped you. Uh, I find almost everybody's background has some in you know influence on how they do in real estate. So maybe we'll touch on that too. But as you kind of decided to transition from the corporate world into real estate, how did you so you bought the duplex, but I always feel like there's two different ways that people go. They're sort of either burn the boats and they quit and and, that, and I'm going all in, or they kind of, you know, stay with their corporate job for a while and then work their way into real estate. How did, how did that look for you? How did that sort of build? Yeah, I did not burn any boats uh, until it was absolutely necessary. So for me, it was really about two things. One, um, while I knew real estate could help me get to where I wanted to be in life, the plan was not okay, today I'm going to be a real estate investor. Um, you know, for me, it really started with going back to my situation in Detroit, where, you know, picture 2008. And while I'm looking at my news, you know, I'm looking at my bosses, you know, the CEOs of my companies, the directors that I report to on the news, talking about the financial hardships we're facing. Uh, if you remember, when you go to the springtime or summer 2008, it was really just about the automotive industry at that point. It wasn't about there was this total economic collapse. And that didn't really kick in until uh, the, the banks 
really start to have those issues with the foreclosures and whatnot. So if you go to the automotive industry, we just thought it was us. And at that moment, I was just looking at my career. I was pretty young in my career at that time. And all I had was automotive experience. So I just didn't know what I was going to be able to do. Didn't know if anybody would hire me. Um, I was actually you know, having a lot of conversations and I was very concerned with that. And again, I'm watching my peers get let go left and right. Um, finally, we when we decided to go into bankruptcy as a company, it was a structured bankruptcy in and out, one of the fastest bankruptcies in history. But I, I saw a lot of people lose their jobs. And in particular, I saw some little lifers, the people who had dedicated their entire careers to this company, you know, 20 plus years. And they lost their jobs with no plan B. So for me, the first step was really, how do I insulate myself? So if I am, if I do lose my job, if I am unfortunate to be in a situation, it doesn't wipe out everything and I'm not left scrambling completely. So for me, it was really about supplementing my income first. And that's exactly what we tried to do. The challenge was it was 2008 and I was in Detroit and real estate was going the opposite way. So everybody I knew who owned real estate was trying to fire sell it. So at a certain point, I said, you know, it doesn't make sense to buy right now. If everyone you know who owns a piece of real estate is trying to give it away, probably not the best time. And at yeah. that point, I made a decision to say, you know what? I think we need to move. We need to go to Chicago somewhere else. I moved to Chicago, Chicago in 2011. And then my wife and I decided, OK, we're going to get this duplex. So we started with the house hack. And I believe that is a great strategy, particularly for young people. If you are single or you don't have any kids, that is the best way to get started. You know, buy a two to four unit property, live in one unit, rent out the other units. And that's exactly what we did. And it got us to the point where we we're building equity. You know, I was no longer paying rent to someone else, but really I had someone else helping to pay down the mortgage. And we were able to refinance that property after two years. And I used that to buy more properties. So that's really how we got the ball rolling. And it eventually led me to say, you know what? I think this is more than just supplementing my income. I think this is what we should be doing for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, makes sense. I mean, it's that it's very hard to go from, you know, sort of starting in real estate to suddenly just now you can rely on that to, to pay the bills and to live off of and all of that. I mean, it's, it's ultimately it's the long game and, and sort of, as you said, you built that equity over two years, even which is in the grand scheme of things, actually a short period of time, but sometimes it feels when you're in the thick of it, two years feels like a long time. Um, so, so where did you go from there? You know, you had the duplex, that was kind of your start. What came next in the real estate game? Yeah, we bought a duplex. Then we bought a, we saved up our money. We bought a three unit property. So again, we didn't have some huge windfall. Um, no one, you know, gave us a couple million dollars or anything like that. So for us, it was about saving every dollar we had and we used that to invest in real estate. So we went from a two unit to a three unit. We refinanced that two unit, bought an eight unit property, and this was a commercial. So for us, it was really important because at this point, I now believed in real estate. I was interested. I was curious. I, I believed before but it still wasn't proven to me. I hadn't done it yet. So at this point, I had built this equity. I had cash flow. I had the appreciation. So I fully believed in it. So I bought the eight unit building with a couple of things in mind. One, I wanted experience with a commercial property. Two, I wanted experience managing, managing the manager or a different property manager because we had self-managed up to that point. And the reasons I wanted that experience was three, I wanted to position myself to start partnering with other people. The challenge for us was we were saving six figures to buy these properties. And that's tough. I mean, we we're making pretty good money, but I mean, to sit down and save six figures, 
uh, especially once we had our second child and we we're spending, you know, $35,000 in childcare. Uh, it was tough. It was really tough to save that money. And I just, I was dejected because if you remember, my goal was just to insulate myself in case I lost my job. And while I had a good amount of equity in these properties, I didn't have the cash flow to replace one of our salaries. So I was like, okay, there's got to be another way of doing this. And as I started to talk to other people, that's when I realized the power of partnerships. And I wanted some experience doing this before I went out and invited someone to partner with me. So that was really important for us in order to, to scale and grow was just to be able to check those boxes so I could feel confident going in there and talking to other people about what I was doing. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know, sort of, and I think it makes that conversation maybe a little bit easier. You've got proof of concept that, hey, look, I went and did this. I, I did this one on my own. Now look look what we can do together. Um, so then from there, so I'm assuming now you're talking about getting into the point of syndicating or you're, you're doing joint ventures or what was your next step? Yeah, I mean, in my mind, the only thing I really wanted to do was buy like a 12 unit or a 20 unit, but just have somebody else bring half the capital. So that was my vision. And I ended up hiring a mentor. I, I sat down with a couple of successful investor friends that I had, you know, developed relationships with over the years and watched what they were doing in their business. And they told me what they did, what they did. And in talking to them, it made me realize, okay, you really got to surround yourself with people who are playing the game at this level. I ended up uh, finding a mentor, um, was not really looking for a mentor, but just in connecting and networking with people, met someone who had a program. I, I thought it was a great fit for where I was at that time. And I hired that person and I watched this individual build their own portfolio. And that's really when syndication became something that I was aware of, but I didn't know what syndication was up to that point. I just thought you either had a partner, right? You can borrow money from a, a single individual or a single entity, but it wasn't this notion of working with a group of different people and pulling those resources together for investing in real estate. I had no idea that, you know, you could go out there and talk to 15, 20 people, pull money together and go buy an apartment building. And to be honest with you, even if I did know you could do that, I didn't know 15 to 20 people who would want to invest with me to go out and buy it. So I wasn't interested in that. I felt like getting one person was doable. Getting 10, 15, 20 people did not seem realistic to me at that time. And I think that was one of those things where when you watch someone do it and you have them in, on your team and they can give you the blueprint and show you, hey, here's how you do it. It forces you to understand that this is possible. And I think a lot of times we get in our own way because we don't want to see opportunities that are right in front of us. And that was one of those opportunities that I easily I could have done. But those limiting beliefs, I don't know 15 people who want to invest with me, or I don't want to ask 15 people to invest with me. Ah, it feels a little dirty. I, you know, I want to go ask my friends to invest. I want to call people I haven't talked to in years just to see if they want to invest with me. Right. It's one of those things that can make you feel like you're uncomfortable. Maybe you're, you're asking for a favor and it can be challenging for a lot of people. And I'll tell you the thing that really clicked for me was two things. One, I realized that I was really helping people and you're not going to help everybody, you know, just like any other product or service, just because you have it available doesn't mean it's right for the person you're talking to. You know, if I've got some tampons and say, Hey, Jason, you want to buy these tampons I got, you're probably going to say, nah, man, well, like what's wrong with you? Of course not. <laughs> right. Cause I'm, I'm talking to the wrong person. You're not my audience. Right. And that's one of those things. And going back to the marketing, that's what really clicked for me. And that was actually the second thing 
understanding the experience I had in marketing and how to translate that into real estate, particularly with real estate syndication. Once that clicked, everything made more sense. And I realized I didn't have to call, you know, my mom's friends or my buddies from college or everybody that I've ever met and see if they want to invest with me. But instead, there was a way to find people who are looking for the solutions that real estate investing can provide. And if I could connect with those individuals, now I'm not really selling them. I'm just answering questions and presenting opportunities. And that's much easier for me to do than being a salesperson. So just presenting the opportunity, get in front of the right people, answering questions. I could do that. I, I did not feel comfortable calling, you know, everybody I've met in the last 20 years and just trying to find a way to, you know, transition the conversation into real estate. Yeah, it, it's definitely not, <laughs> it's an awkward position to be in. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you'll hear a lot of people talk about it like, oh, you just you never know. Just call everyone you ever you can think of and all of that. And it's like, I think to some extent, there are some limiting beliefs to that, but there's no way around that that is a that is an awkward thing to try and be like, Hey, I know we haven't talked in a few years. Let me transition to the part where I ask you about investing some money, even, even though it's an opportunity, right? It's, it's, you can believe that all you want, but it's still, I think if, if someone called me that I hadn't talked to in years, I, I would be like, that, that's a weird, that's a weird way to come into that. So um, it makes a lot of sense. So maybe you said that you sort of realized how you could use your Mac marketing background here in this space. And so maybe speak to that a little bit, kind of how that contributed to your mindset, what, what things you've brought from that marketing background and, and used in your syndication, um, you know, opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go way back real quick and go back to my time at GM when we're going through that bankruptcy. Um, I remember reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that really sparked me getting into real estate. The thing that, and you hear that from a lot of people, the thing that most people don't remember about that book is there's also another notion that you should work for skills, not for a paycheck. And if you work different roles to develop skills, then you can continue to refine them. And that was something I took away from the book, probably more so than even the real estate piece. So when I made that transition from Detroit to Chicago, yes, a part of it was about real estate. The other part was I wanted to work for a smaller marketing firm where I could really hone in my skills, being more of an entrepreneur and running kind of the day-to-day -day operations from advertising. And those skills really translated because every business really comes down to the same functions. You've got HR, you've got some operations, you have sales and marketing, you have finance, you have product development, right? And every business has a piece that functions in the same capacity, whether you are selling, you know, drinks out of a cooler, whether you're selling cars, whether you're selling shoes, whether you're selling real estate, it's the same functions. And when you understand that it becomes easier. When I was doing real estate starting out, I saw real estate as property management and construction. So I spent most of my time trying to learn that side of the business. I spent eight, seven, eight years trying to figure out cost per square foot and what should this be and what should that be? And really trying to learn a space that I wasn't familiar with. So it was a challenge for those first five or seven years, right? And just taking the time to learn the lingo and learn everything there. But when I realized that, hey, when you're talking about 
you know, deals. Well, how do you find deals? Well, marketing, relationship building, either with brokers, with wholesalers, or you're going to market for deals yourself, right? How do you do that? All right, well, we're going to have, you know, a prospective list, right? You get that prospect list and you go through, you know, your different marketing channels or your sales channels to connect with them. And when it comes to investors, very similar, you know, it's just because you're talking to somebody doesn't mean that they are your ideal target, or you may hear the term avatar. So for me, I had to step back and say, who are the people I want to talk to? Who are the people that this opportunity is right for? Because as you said, hey, it is an opportunity, but everything in life is an opportunity. Doesn't mean it's a good opportunity. And even if it is a good opportunity, doesn't mean it's a good opportunity for you at this time. So getting clarity on those things makes those conversations much easier. And you don't feel the same burden or dread because you know you're actually adding value to somebody. So one of the ways you do that is you step back and you create a profile. You know, one of the first things I like to do is say, okay, who am I uniquely positioned to win with? Who can I help? Right. Um, what needs to be true about this person where they would want to work with me? And in that sense, it's understanding the value I bring to the table and how I can help them. Now, a personal relationship is absolutely one of those things that you're uniquely positioned to help people with, right? If they already know you, like you, and trust you, it's going to be way easier to work with them if they, you know, compared to someone who doesn't know you at all. So yes, you do want to start with people who know you, but you still need to qualify them. Um, I like to use an analogy that says, you know, if I was, if I were opening up a bakery, I wouldn't call everybody I ever met and say, Hey man, I got this bakery. Why don't you buy a sheet cake from me? Right. Instead, what I might say is, Hey, I'm opening up this bakery. Not sure if you know, but I've loved baking for the last five to 10 years. And I've been baking for, you know, a couple of family and friends. Um, I'm actually opening up this bakery and I'm looking to expand my business. Do you know anybody who's having a large gathering, you know, a birthday party, a wedding, anniversary, graduation? If you know anybody who's doing that over the next couple of months, I will welcome an introduction, right? That's going to go over way better than you asking people to buy a cake. You haven't qualified them. You don't know if they want the cake. You don't know if they have a need for the cake. And good people will say, hey, you know what? Not a fit for me, but call my cousin, Sam. He's getting married next June. That'd be great, but you can't expect people to do that for you. So if you can make it easier for them, it's much easier to grow. And that's how you help to identify who the people are that you can help by having those kind of conversations. It's not necessarily to ask for the sale, but it is to help you qualify and build that list up so you can start talking to the right people. Yeah, no, that makes makes a lot of sense. And I think that that's a good analogy. Just, again, it's just that sort of... <laughs> the dread of leading in with here's, here's the money conversation that, you know, I think most people that are learning to have these discussions are, are sort of struggling with. It's like, Oh, in your mind, you're like, eventually I'm going to have to ask them about the money. Right. And it's like, well, I think, you know, kind of what you're, what you're suggesting is, is not, not so much that you have to ask them, do, are they, or do they know someone who's interested in, whatever you're offering essentially what, you know, and, and in this case, it's, it's a real estate uh, or, you know, bakery items, whichever, the, whichever the case may be. Um, what, uh, what's your portfolio look like now, John, where, where, I know, you know, we sort of started with, you know, we got to an eight unit, but I know, I know it's much bigger than that right now. What, what sort of, where are we stand today? 
Yeah, we've partnered with investors on over $100 million worth of real estate. Um, we've sold some of that now. So I think we're closer to 40 or 45 million as of today since we sold some stuff. But, you know, we're continuing to grow, continue to look for opportunities and continue to work with other people. And I'll go back to the point you were just making. One of the biggest things for me, and this may not be the role for everybody, you know, if you're just completely uncomfortable having these conversations, that may not be your role. Maybe you're great at finding deals or maybe you're great at some other aspect of the business. Focus on those things. For me, I was always good at managing relationships, given what that's what I was doing in the marketing and advertising world, working with the different accounts, work with strategies, teams and managing things. So that was kind of a natural role for me to be more in investor relations and kind of leading these types of conversations. Um, and with that said, one of the key things is to understand the value you are providing. You know, part of the reason you're uncomfortable talking to people is because you're not as convinced and you're not as assured that you really will be able to help people. And I tell people that there are three C's to attract capital for these deals. And the very first one is confidence. That confidence cannot be manufactured. You cannot fake it. You've got to put in the work. And if you don't know your stuff, then yes, you're not going to feel confident talking to people that know you very closely. Think about it. If you're not convinced that you know how to go out there and partner with the right people and find the right deals to help the people closest to you, you're going to have some hesitance to go into them and asking them for money. Instead, if you put in the work, if you know exactly what a good deal looks like, if you've built a team that has the qualities, that has the capabilities, that has the experience, you would move forward with a lot of confidence and you would not want those people close to you to miss out on an opportunity. If I were out here getting rich, and, you know, buying these properties and, you know, making great money and all these other people are, are benefiting with me. And I didn't invite those people closest to me to this opportunity. They missed out. What do you think they're going to think about me? Yeah. Right. That's they're going to be point. upset if they see me out here crushing it, crushing it. And they know, man, John, I, and you mentioned this to me, but I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> you know, like they're going to be upset with me. And I think that's the, the thing with confidence. You may not know, obviously, every investment has risk. Every investment has challenges. And you only want to work with people who can afford to take those risks with you, for sure. Okay, I'm not saying you take everybody's last dollar and put it in here. This is not a slot machine. We're not gambling. However, I do think that there's a mindset shift of the confidence it takes. And if you're not confident enough to go talk to people closest to you, it may be because you haven't put in the work. Maybe you haven't put in the work to learn your market where to learn how to really analyze deals or to really protect yourself. Maybe you need to go get a coach or a mentor to help you understand those blind spots. I mean, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I had built a one and a half million dollar portfolio, but I had never raised a dollar from anybody in my life. So for me, if I were going to go that route, it made me feel more comfortable to bring on a coach. So I had someone else in my corner I could look at and say, hey, I think this is a good deal. Here's what I see in the market. Here's where I see the opportunity. What do you see? Am I missing something? How would you structure this deal? Any watch outs? How much money would you keep in reserves? Those are the questions I wanted someone in my corner to be able to ask so that as I'm working with my family and friends and people close to me, I know that I'm doing everything possible to protect their interests. So that was really important to me. And I think that first seeing confidence is critical. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice. What are you, maybe what are some strategies that you're using to to raise capital, to sort of build that, you know, brand, if you will, so that people do want to invest with you and, and cut, you know, so you have that confidence 
great. But, but what specifically are you doing to kind of get it out there that, to let them know that what you're, you know, what you're up to? Yeah. Let me finish out the, the C's and then I can answer that question yeah. a little clearer. So the first was confidence. We just talked about that. The second C for attracting capital is credibility. Now, this is one of those things where, again, you may not have all the experience in the world, but you want to build that experience with the team. So do you have a partner, a coach, a mentor, property manager? Who else is on that team that has the experience here? And then what experiences do you have that you can leverage from a different field? We've talked about transferable skills. Well, I've managed projects for you know 15 years. I've overseen $100 million advertising campaigns. I've won awards for the work that I've done. So that work translates, right? So that's the credibility in me and my team working on these deals, even before I had that experience. And by the way, yes, I did have that, you know, smaller portfolio experience, right? So I wasn't coming to real estate completely cold. So that's the credibility. The last is going to be connections. You know, who are the people you're talking to? How do you connect with them? How do you engage? How do you grow that? So there are a few strategies that we employ to connect with people. And again, I I know this sounds like marketing and sales, but again, every business breaks down to these same components, right? We may not call it PR or marketing or advertising, whatever you want to call it. But I tell them, I'm telling you, it really falls in one of these buckets. So PR is a, it's a big bucket of, of um, advertising and marketing, right? Uh, word of mouth is another key. Doing things like what we're doing right now. We're on a podcast. So podcast is huge. We've done about 400 episodes or approaching 400 episodes of our multifamily insights podcast. So I host my show. I make appearances on other shows. I create content on social media. I speak at events. I host events. So those are some of the things that we do. We do a lot of email marketing as well. So those are the things that we do today. Other things I see um, other operators do and things that we may do at some point in the future, it's advertising. So you can do Facebook ads, Instagram ads. You could do um, blogger posts. You can do videos and do YouTube ads on videos or other content. So there are things like that that you can do. But I will tell you, for us, nothing beats a real interpersonal experience. So it, it really for us comes down to we got to connect with people because if we're not having conversations, then we're not really connecting. And we have to keep in mind that we're not talking about selling a pack of pencils or something that is a, you know, low value transaction. People do it and whatever is convenient. We're talking about pretty substantial investments. Our minimum investment is typically $50,000 on a deal. So if someone's going to invest $50,000 on a deal, they're going to need to get to know us. They need to like us, trust us, understand our business plan, understand that, you know, they'll be able to reach out to us. We're going to be there. We're going to be visible and they're going to have to build a level of comfort that just doesn't come overnight. So there is a process to get to know someone if you're going to work with them. And I think that's really critical. So for us, it's a matter of how do we make it easy? You know, one of the things we do is we try to create content that makes it easy for people to get to know us and for us to help them by adding value. One of the things we have is a sample deal package. We put the sample deal on our website, um, whether you are an active investor or a passive investor, it's a great resource just to wrap your head around some of the high level things, everything from deal structure to what's going on in the market to um, just some keywords and terminology that may be included. So if you want to check that out, it's at kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. And it's a great way for you to start wrapping your head around, all right, what are the things either I should be looking for in a deal or that I should make sure I communicate if I have a deal or an opportunity and I want to put it in front of investors. 
Yeah, no, those are, those are great tips. I think all of that, you know, maybe tell me, I mean, if you disagree, please say so, but I think that also probably what you do in terms of that sort of investor outreach and, and, you know, marketing, and I think it is marketing. I mean, ultimately you can call it what you want, but, but that's the idea, right? We need to, you know, you're trying to get things out there, but it's probably important to know, you know, you mentioned a little bit before that maybe, maybe capital raising, maybe that that's not, you know, if you don't like talking to people, that's maybe not your space, but it probably makes sense to, to sort of do a little bit of, you know, self-reflection and, and realize, okay, what of these possible avenues of marketing or investor outreach would I be comfortable with? Right. So it's like, whether it's a podcast or a blog or, you know, your website, whatever that, you know, making YouTube videos, whatever it is, knowing kind of what, what works for you and what will help you is, is probably, I would think, you know, something that, that goes into that marketing strategy, you know, maybe even from your marketing background, you see different, different strategies work for different product types and whatever. Yeah. And listen, I'm going to give you another big epiphany, right? First of all, uh, from the, where we're at in the conversation right now, we've primarily been talking about raising capital and doing larger deals where you're partnering with somebody. You don't have to go that route. If you don't want to partner with people, by all means, there are plenty of strategies where you don't have to do that. Maybe you just want to be a passive investor, right? If you've got a great job, you're making good money, you've got family, or you have other priorities you'd rather spend your time on, focus on that. You know, you don't have to sit here and be the active investor. You can absolutely take your money, invest it in deals, vet different operators, and get mailbox money. That is absolutely an option for you. You can do smaller deals that you just run and operate yourself. Just know that you're always going to be limited in the amount of deals you can do if you're only using your own capital and not partnering with other people. But if you are looking to scale and work with other investors and potentially syndicate deals, even if you're not comfortable you know, creating these uh, marketing programs or platforms, somebody needs to, because just like any other business, if you're not comfortable growing through marketing and sales, you're not going to grow, you know, a little hole in a wall restaurant that does no marketing, but has great product is never going to expand beyond that little hole in a wall um, bar or restaurant. And if that's what you want, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But most people don't get into business or leave their day job to try to do this full time just so they have another full time job. Most people want to see how do I create abundance? How do I create wealth? How do I impact the next generation? And it goes back to you know your show. What's your why? If you don't understand your why, then you can't make the right decisions. But if you're wise to give financial freedom, time flexibility, if you want to have more time to do the things you want to do with the people you want to be with, then you have to understand, well, how do I build this in a way that affords me that luxury? And one of the things you need to do is you do have to start marketing and putting a sales organization together, but you don't have to be the face. You know, I mean, right now, this is me and you doing this podcast, but there are ways to market and build a brand where it's not you you know, doing every single thing. You can delegate the content creation. You can build teams of people or maybe someone else on the team is more adept at some of the marketing or brand forward facing things. So someone else could be the face of the organization. Maybe you're more CEO, right? Maybe somebody else is investor relations, you know, and you just come on for a conversation when they're ready to talk to you about how you analyze the deal or whatever the case would be. So there are ways to grow a business without you having to be the face of it, you know, and it takes some time. It certainly takes some effort and energy if you want to go that route, but it's possible. You know, I know multiple groups who, 
you know, you probably would not know who the actual owner or head of that company is because they're not the person who's front and center. Um, and, and that's just, you know, a great way to grow if that's not the thing that makes you comfortable. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And it's, you know, it's figure out what your strengths are, partner with people have who have, uh, you know, complementary strengths or hire people that have complementary strengths, whatever it is to build that team to make to get all the pieces in place, I think is, is probably, you know, really the, the important thing there. Um, well, John, since you sort of brought it up and I think it's a good transition, uh, maybe we can move to the part where I get to ask you, you know, the, the questions that I ask you, ask each guest. And the first one is what is your why since you brought up, brought up the why part of this, let's go ahead and, and find out what yours is. Yeah. My biggest one is, you know, I got two boys and, uh, you know, I know they're only going to be boys for so long. So trying to maximize my time with them. And for me, it's about the schedule flexibility, time flexibility to be with them and be a present father. How old are they? Uh, eight and five. My eight year old just turned eight last week. Nice. Nice. I have a three year old boy and a 10 month old girl. So yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so also, also working to spend <laughs> as much time with them as possible. Um, Second question, John, tell us something about yourself that the listeners know something maybe that isn't isn't common knowledge about you, you know, something to get you get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, man, uh, I am a persistent individual. Um, I, I like to believe that I don't quit. Um, I used to wrestle in high school. And even though I lost every match my freshman year, it's miraculously, I don't know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> I ended up finishing with my name on the leaderboard for career wins when I graduated. That's impressive. Lost in the beginning, but didn't lose after that. After that point, you must you must have won most. Oh, of I them still lost. I still lost. I just again, I just competed it for four years where most people quit. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I think you mentioned your website before, but but when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, um, what what would be the best way to get a hold of you? And we'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Yeah, I would check out the sample deal, you know, chasmincapital.com slash sample deal. You can download that uh, sample deal there. And then if you're on this website, you can find other ways to contact me from there. Okay, awesome. Final question. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is maybe kind of in the early stages of the real estate investing career, you know, to, to help them either help motivate them or help, you know, maybe it's a strategic tip, but something to help sort of propel them forward in their business? One of the most important things that really helped me succeed, and I don't think people talk about this enough, is you have to surround yourself with people who are doing it and doing it at a level that's maybe just a, a notch or two above where you're at. So for me, what helped tremendously was um, the, one of the people I first met when I moved to Chicago and started to go to real estate investing groups and meetups. Um, there was a woman who had three units when I met her. And my goal was just to get a duplex, right? To start, I just needed a house hack. So she had she had a house hack. So talking to her and how she did it was great. Once I did that house hack, she had grown to nine units. So then I was asking her, okay, how'd you get the second one? Well, she went from nine units to 90 units. So at that point, it was like, wait a minute, what? And I sat down with her and she was one of the people who helped me see that, hey, if you really want to expand, you're going to have to learn to partner with other people. And that's exactly what, what she was able to do. And the thing that made it great was she hosted that meetup. So even though I would go pretty frequently, I went almost every month, most other people didn't. So, they, you know, there were probably four or five people who were there, you know, you could count on to be there every time. She's one of them because she hosted it. Right. So. If you want to build those kind of relationships, 
You've got to be consistent and show up. It's not good enough just to go to a meetup or go to events. You need to go consistently. And even better than that, start one yourself. Because if you start it, now you know you're going to be there and you're going to connect with the regulars and build strong relationships. And those individuals can help propel you forward. Right. Yeah, that's that's great. And we talked about this a little bit before um, we started recording, too. But just that you mentioned, you know, have someone who's who's a little bit ahead of you because the the. Sometimes, you know, there's mentors and there's the gurus out there and you see all the stuff on social media and everything, but people that are, you know, they already have a thousand units or 10,000 units, or, you know, you see people like, you know, the Grant Cardones, they're already, they're billionaires. And it, it doesn't seem when you're starting out, that doesn't seem like an achievable goal because you don't, you don't go from zero to, to billionaire. That's, that's just not the path. And so finding someone who's a little bit ahead of you in that journey to kind of watch their journey as they grow, I think it can be very inspiring to, to kind of, as you move through as well. So I think that makes, that makes total sense. And, and, you know, sort of meeting that woman, I think, you know, it's gotta be, you, you're seeing, you're seeing it happen. So you're like, okay, I know, I know this can be done. Yeah. And Jason, I'll add on that, that sometimes those mentors, um, it's almost like Michael Jordan, right? Like Jordan, greatest player of all time. I'm a LeBron fan, but we're just gonna say Jordan's the greatest player. I don't want to, I don't want to smoke today. So, um, but Jordan, the coach, Jordan, the GM, no. Why? Because Jordan didn't understand why people could, just couldn't do what he told them to do. And going back to the grants and some of these people who are super successful, they don't understand why you can't just pick up the phone and call the hundred people that you went to school with. Right. They don't understand the fear and trepidation and the shakiness that's taking over your body. Yeah. They don't see it and they just get over and do it. And it's like, it's tough because if they can't reconcile that it's hard for you to even learn from them because they don't understand. Right. And yeah. some people have different backgrounds and different advantages and disadvantages. And it's a little easier if you can talk to someone who, at least has the emotional connection to say, Hey, I understand how scary this is. Here's a way to make it a little less scary. Right. Or here's how you can get started and get some momentum and put those early wins up. And this is how you can transition and then you can scale it from there. So I think that's really important too, because some people just tell you, Hey, go do these X, Y, Z things, but they don't really help you and start with where you're at today. They just tell you, Hey, here's how you get from A to B. Here's how I did it. Now you do it. And it's like, yeah, well, that's helpful for you if you've got, you know, millionaires in your network or, you know, you live in New York City and you're surrounded by the financial industry. But, you know, somebody who lives in middle America may not have those connections and it may not be as easy and they don't know how to get you there. So I think it helps to have someone who can meet you where you're at today, see where you're at and say, OK, here's where you're at today. Here's how we're going to get you forward. Yes, it may not be ultimately the end game, but we can make progress for sure. No, I, I, that's fantastic. I, I think that the, that's such a, I don't know, maybe, maybe overlooked. I, I think maybe when people are looking for mentors, you're, you're looking at the, who's the most successful person I can find. You know what I mean? Who's, who's got, and, and obviously su- success is measured in many different ways, but it's like, okay, I want to be a syndicator who has the most units. And I want, <laughs> I want to learn from them. And, and they may be, be on the point where they can actually relate to what, where you're at in your journey. So it, it's, it's really a, a good, you know, sort of take home message here that, that looking for someone that can, like you said, kind of meet you at your level is really, really important. So, um, well, 
Thank you for that, John. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you for coming on today. It's been been a fantastic conversation. I, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing all your, your uh, wisdom with us. Hey, Jason, thank you for having me on the show today. It's been a pleasure to be here. I look forward to checking out uh, more of your shows. And uh, for your listeners, I'll, I'll plug it for you. All right, we talked about sales and marketing. Make sure you subscribe to this episode and leave a rating and review. All right, that way more people can see it and we can share it with more people. So if you got good value out of today's conversation, do Jason a favor and share and subscribe to this episode. Appreciate that very much. Thank you, John. Thank you. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.